Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. Today is our post-election breakdown. Today's guest is my good friend, photojournalist, freelancing at the moment, Mr. Gary Cooper. Gary, fucking fantastic to have you on this morning. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen you. Welcome on, man. Thank you, sir. Are you, are you ready to fucking rage? I am ready <laughs> to rant and rave. And totally, uh, we're gonna we're gonna totally black pill you, and radicalize you, and have you um, reading Emilio Zapata before the end of the day. That is my goal. Wonderful. So, so I think first, obviously, I, we should probably start out with you know I think something that's on the top of both of our minds after Tuesday's election, and that is the Beto Cruz race. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know what your thoughts are were going into the race, but I had sort of thought I you know, living in Texas, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> I've seen how this ends, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um I was I was of course hoping for the best, but I had a feeling that Cruz would carry the race by five to five to seven percent. So mm-hmm. as close as it was, I think is a good sign, but obviously there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts sort of going into Tuesday night? With respect to Bethel and that whole campaign, and quite frankly, my friends who worked on that campaign, I uh, love the guy, great candidate. I just didn't think he would be able to defeat Cruz in blood red Texas. Right. That said, the big takeaway was uh, Dallas, Fort Worth and Houston, Harris County and Tarrant County, uh, that I think we can call them purple now, yeah. shifting toward blue. Uh, those places carried, or um, have always been Republican strongholds. Definitely Tarrant County, absolutely. Definitely. You can't say that anymore. For sure. You cannot say that anymore. Um, and and I saw you know a few headlines that, you know, despite Beto's defeat, that this provides a blueprint for Democrats in Texas. I still don't think so. The thing that made this this race in particular so appealing is not so much that Beto was an appealing candidate or an attractive candidate is that Cruz quite frankly is despised <laughs> by so many even he, among the GOP even he, among the GOP and that like among a bunch of fucking ghouls he <laughs> is you know what I mean he's despised I mean uh, John Boehner said he's quote one of the most miserable sons of bitches I've ever worked <laughs> with George George H.W. Bush said I just don't like the guy that is amazing that those guys would go on record saying that about their fellow GOPer Ted right. Cruz, and I think that's why this race had so much zeal to it because not so much Beto was attractive, it's just that Cruz was so despised. Right? Did you hear that Lin- Lindsey Graham has a quote about Cruz that if Cruz was murdered in the Senate and the trial mm. was held in the Senate mm-hmm. and the mur- person who killed him was from the Senate, <laughs> there would be no conviction. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit. I mean, this is Lindsey Graham who has, you know. Exactly. I think Lindsey started out as moderately, you know, p- pushing back on Trump. But now it seems like he's fully on board. Oh, he's in the bag. He's cult it's, status at oh this point. Oh, my God. He's, he took a bath in the Kool-Aid. He didn't drink it. He just bathed in it. Um, on, on that note, on that pivot, uh, I think overall, um, the quote-unquote blue wave, which really to me, wasn't a wave. Yeah, more like a trickle. I'd say more like just some obnoxious kid splashing water <laughs> in the face of the lifeguard. Um, uh, this it, It'll be interesting come January once they're all in, in position. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we're already seeing, you know, what the president, how he's reacting to it. And uh, I think he's a bit rattled, uh, given his performance, what was it, yesterday or the day before yesterday with the press conference and the removal of Jeff Sessions with the replacement of a interim who is uh, very much in the bag for Trump. Right, um, that's definitely an interesting move. Obvious, like, it's pretty obvious that there's he's concerned about that. He's very concerned. Um, but this is, you know, this is the Democrats' moment to, you know, put up or shut up. I mean, you know, uh, this is your chance. If you guys blow it, then I think there'll be, I think we'd have more red, uh, more GOP control for a few more years, depending on how these next two years shape out. Well, Pelosi has already come out and said, you know, we're going to reach across the aisle mm-hmm. and so forth, which, no, fuck that. <laughs> no, that, that is what... <laughs> there are Democrats acquiescing to the right is what has led to this entire fiasco in the fucking first place. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like, there. what's the meaning? Like, yes, I mean, healthcare obviously is the big rallying cry, but, you know, so many Democrats don't mm-hmm. even support Medicare for all. Right. At, you know, and that's like a bare minimum thing that we're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm looking for, for from candidates on the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying that we get somebody else besides Pelosi to be the House Majority Leader. I, I think I House think, Speaker of the House. Wait, how, the, um, um, Democrats need need new leadership. They need sure. they need new blood at the helm because they, yeah, they're part of the reason that leadership is part of the reason why we're in the boat that we're in right now. I mean, Chuck Schumer, that guy, has got zero charisma. Chuck Schumer. He's got no, no new ideas. Mm-mm. And he's bankrolled by Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, back. let's get back to Beko, Beto, because I want to yeah. really maybe dive in a little bit deeper Certainly. into that race. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of get, since, you know, you're talking to people that are involved in the campaign and so forth. I mean, obviously, the enthusiasm for Beto was so immense in comparison mm-hmm. to Cruz. Mm-hmm. He spent something like $70 million, which I believe was about twice as much as right. the Cruz campaign spent, mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. wasn't able to unseat and despicable toady like Ted <laughs> Cruz. Um, I mean, I expected it, and it is somewhat heartening again to to see it be so close, mm-hmm. well under kind of what I had thought it would, how it would turn out. Mm-hmm. But still, just a god man living in Texas and not being a fucking right wing person is the never, hardest thing. Never underestimate rural Texas. Rural Texas always votes and always vote has voted red for thirty some odd years now. Yeah. Never underestimate your your Bubba out in Burnett. Or, oh, I definitely don't. Or yeah, or Larry out in Lampasas. <laughs> never underestimate them. Um, the demographics in Texas, they are shifting. This is this is what y'all wanted with a business-friendly Texas. You get people from everywhere coming in, and they bring their policies and their politics and their ideas. And as a result, as a result you have Tarrant County uh, officially in play. You have Harris County, which of uh, the article I read from uh, the publication slips on mine, but all 59 judges in Harris County that were in play were all unseated by progressive by progressives and or democrats that's remarkable including 19 african-american judges all female judges at that the tide is turning in texas um i think given the age of everything being you know instant you know this generation was raised on cell phones and whatnot they wanted you know to see instant change beto defeated 
was kind of a reminder that this is a marathon and not a sprint. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, but again, it was a remarkable campaign, considering it was. It felt very grassroots, very homely. Uh, even with um, a big media, you know, taking a liking to Beto, you can't underestimate rural Texas because rural Texas will oh, yeah. is a, is still a force to be reckoned Absolutely. with. I mean, I grew up there. In, exactly. You know, twelve a town of twelve hundred people. Exactly. Rural community, <clears throat> mm-hmm. agriculture, guns and God. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my dad, literally to a T. Is like he just like his whole thing is mm-hmm. his whole conservatism is all based on this belief in in Jesus mm-hmm. and red Jesus. That, now, I'm a good Christian, but I'll shoot you if you come on my <laughs> property. <laughs> it's almost. Uh, I mean, it's like a sort of. I don't know. There's some kind of weird psychological aspect to like this christian fascism sort of thing um actually there's a guy called uh chris hedges are you familiar with chris hedges at all i think i've heard the name before really really good journalism on the on the left journalist on the left uh-huh. uh wrote a book about uh, kind of examining the rise of christian fascism that i would highly recommend checking out yeah he also uh maybe as an entry point too he recently did a podcast with jeremy scahill Okay. Um, the intercepted, okay, group, okay, okay, um, which was really well done. I think is a good primer to get a feel for his um, what he's doing. But definitely, I think one of the best voices in terms of journalism on the more progressive, revolutionary left. <clears throat> let's say. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pardon me. Also, side note: this sounds really nice. This is impressive because the last time we spoke, I was in North Carolina, and we were, yeah. and we were speaking via <laughs> via the inter- internets. Right. So this is this is very nice. Yeah, sound should be way better than last time. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it's funny and for me because you know, obviously, I've been more I've been pushed a lot further left. I mean, the rise of Trump was a real that was like a fucking wake up call because I've already been dis, I've been disillusioned since two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. For me, the Iraq War and the selling of it, I mean, that just was devastating. Um, you know in my formative years as an adult, seeing the way that people were swept up and all of that. And, you know, that's, this is where fake news gets its, you know, Trump is right. Then absolutely. The news is fake. He's wrong about how it's fake, Mm -hmm. but he's definitely right that it is. The news is fake. I think that's a fair argument. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you have, Oh, fucking remember, um, Colin Powell before the UN with the little vial. Mm hmm. And, you know, weapons of mass destruction and, the, you know what I mean? So the Republicans themselves and George Bush are absolutely responsible for the rise of Trump and this whole fake news thing. They delegitimize the institution of the, of the news. You know, the New York Times did it to themselves mm-hmm. to some degree. So no one, no one says this, you know what I mean? Oh, everybody forgets about um, the whole Iraq thing. Like it's, oh, now like... George Bush hands um, Michelle Obama a cough drop, and we're supposed to love this fucking guy now. Fuck that! I you know started a war based on a lie. Exactly, blatantly <laughs> in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Obvious, obvious to anyone with any sort of critical faculty that that whole thing was a total and total fiasco going in, mm-hmm. going into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had seen the way that Vietnam was handled, you just knew there's no way in this day and age that you can create or you can carry out that sort of war of attrition with the sort of media in place that we have, you know, we don't, we didn't have 24 hour news networks 
during Vietnam, that would have been a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. I think even now you wouldn't have been able to pull off Iraq because with the rise of social media, I mean, the outcry and ability to organize would have been so much more potent, I think. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, it happened the first time. So I always wonder, you know, how gullible people are, how readily people are to fall in line with, you know, the mo- most comforting narrative that mm-hmm. can be fed to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On that note, if I may, I was, I was speaking with another buddy of mine who works for the state, and we we, we kind of looked back and... Long story short, we think that this whole rise of rise of Trump, quote unquote, kind of like it's kind of this is kind of like the baby boomers' last stand. This is you know old fogies' last you know chance to understand things and have things the way that they want before they eventually expire and kick the bucket because everybody dies. <laughs> and so Trump represents you know you know this is this is our last chance to have things the way we want and. I mean, I I hope so, but the forces of reaction, I think, seem to be on the rise, and not only here in the U.S., but this is a global phenomenon. I don't have the lens exactly through which to fully understand it, but obviously I think there is something going on with the global capitalist order as it stands today Mm -hmm. that is, there's, you know, with climate change, with the Middle East being destabilized, all the refugees and so forth, you know, something is going on. I don't understand, like I said, I don't understand it just yet. It may take, you know, we may just have to wait for history to to happen before I went and just look back and figure Mm -hmm. out and disentangle what happened to cause this scenario. But do you think the midterm elections, do you think it kind of put a pause on that or quite, or the other way around, does it accelerate? Is this, you know, what they wanted? I mean, I don't think that it's what they wanted mm-hmm. from the right. I think this will act as somewhat of a, a pressure release valve. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I fully anticipate that Trump wins re-election unless we're absolutely lucky. And then then again, even if someone like Bernie does get elected president, then the it's going to the same thing that happened to Obama. Mm-hmm. will happen we'll have the red wave which will be far it will be a real red wave mm-hmm. because I they'll be agree. able to sell i mean all the republicans <clears throat> have to sell is fear right and they're fucking good at it mm-hmm. and they have a lot of money behind them selling that fear you're absolutely right yeah. and again something is going on globally that is pushing people to reaction and i don't exactly understand it fully enough to be able to articulate it to you but when you see what happened in Brazil, yes, what's happened in, I mean, Macron barely beat out Le Pen in France. Mm-hmm. Merkel's and, not running. And, I mean, even Macron is kind of a despicable kind of piece of shit, centrist. <laughs> so, you know, that probably delegitimizes the French system a bit further when the next election comes around. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you bring up Brazil because a lot of people that like to sleep on Brazil, but Brazil has natural resources up the wazoo. And if Brazil were to get organized <clears throat> in some capacity, they would also be a force to reckon with. And with their new um, leader who's uh, not very open to new ideas, for lack of a better term, it'll be interesting to see what uh, interesting and 
quite frankly, maybe even frightening to see what Brazil does in the next few years. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely terrifying. But mm-hmm. also, I mean, you have things going on in Poland, Rome, like the former Eastern Bloc mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is, you know, there's a lot of right wing strong men that are that have gained power there. Um, I mean, the bright spots are probably, I mean, it looks like our good friend Jezza over in the UK, <laughs> when the next election rolls around, will probably wind up being the prime minister, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Corbyn. So that that's kind of the big bright spot. But also, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Bernie and Yanis Varoufakis, mm-hmm. the Greek, I believe, politician, are trying to get together this sort of internationalist this new international. Um, so if trying to get a more global, broad, broadly based left, you know, social democratic sort of at least coalition mm-hmm. going, which I think is definitely... No, I'm not familiar with that. It's definitely something that we need. I mean, the, f- the spread of global fascism is on the rise. We need a counterbalance, especially without the Soviet Union now, to act as that counterbalance and kind of, you know, give, you know, let the capitalists know, hey, we've got to... There's an alternative out there. We need to at least put some checks on the grossness, uh, the excesses of the market itself. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of that. No, I, that I need to read up on because that sounds, I mean, you're right. There needs to be some kind of check put on the powers that be and the powers that want to be. And uh, it needs to be, there needs to be an international left. You know what I mean? There hasn't been, and it's certainly in the U.S., you know, we have who we've got like Bernie is like the closest thing to real left that we have. And, yeah, even, and he's like 183 and he's like, years old. Yeah. And he's <laughs> pro- and he's got some problematic votes. And I think he voted for the Iraq war, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And his uh, foreign <clears throat> policy, not the best, although I think he is um, at least jumping on board with a more progressive mm-hmm. foreign policy. It's still, you know, a little bit, you know, we don't really have anybody that is nationally known on the left. Let me play devil's advocate for a bit. Yeah, what about our, what about our young superstar Ocasio Cortez? I mean, that's definitely a bright spot too, but that's another that's just like again, that's like two people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's heartening, but obviously we've got a long way to go. I think the DSA's membership is something like 100,000. Mm-hmm. Maybe just over 100,000 out of the entire country. And that's the DSA. That's not even talking about more, um, I guess, the more militant revolutionary left. So like your mm-hmm. your real communists, like your your Marxists, mm-hmm. your Marxist Leninists, and Maoists, and Third Worlders, and all and all. You know, there's so many different flavors, right, 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 of right. The, on the left in terms of ideas and ideology and so forth. But right. I'm an anarchist. I'm ready to work with anybody who is going to stand up to the forces of reaction because obviously. This shit is getting completely out of hand. And, you know, I think once the next recession hits, things are going to get real ugly. Uh, It's going to get Weimar Republic ugly. I think the next recession is going to hit a lot sooner than we want it to hit. Oh, (laughs) no doubt about that. (laughs) I mean, I don't want it to ever hit. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, well, I mean, I I just got back to Texas. I've been gone for about 15, 16 months. What's, you know, that organization. What's it like in here in Austin and in Texas? I mean, is it is it growing in numbers or is it still being quashed, for lack of a better term, by, by the, the right? The DSA, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a pretty sizable... And, and other affiliates. 
there's a pretty sizable DSA here in Austin, but you know what I mean? I don't think it's something that is hitting those, you know, it's an urban thing. Just the same thing as any progressive movement Mm -hmm. in Texas is it's, you know, you might have some isolated rural communities, but overall Mm -hmm. it's again, it's likely it's, it's the urban educated college educated people that are jumping on board Mm -hmm. with that sort of thing. So I don't, I don't know. We need to, but the good thing about the DSA, I think, is that they're not so concerned with electoral politics. They're more concerned at the local and state level, mm-hmm. which I think is important. And also, just building community at the base level. I think I might have mentioned this to you before, but they held they sometimes do this where they'll have a, a spot where people can come and get their taillights fixed mm-hmm. so that people aren't getting pulled over. And you know what I mean? So little things like that, you know what I mean? I'm really building those communities, mm-hmm. helping people. Where everybody watches each other's backs. Yeah, like exactly. That. Showing people that, so- oh, that's that socialism or some type of at least socialistic movement mm-hmm. is can help, actually, actually helps people and isn't, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a big thing is to build, the, build that sense of community mm-hmm. and mutual aid. Like that's what we've got to do. We've got to get on the ground and build, build that base level and take away the scare words of, you know, socialism, communism. That's the thing. The right, uh, going back to Reagan, has they've railed, they've railed against, you know, communism and socialism is evil. So you have a handful of generations that grew up thinking that. I mean, I grew up thinking that too. Right. You know, how do you, how do you fight that mindset? Yeah. You know? So I- it, it's a hell of a battle. But again, I think with the baby boomers last stand... I hope so, but I I don't know, man. There's a lot of now in the era of, of fake news and just there's so much propaganda out there. It just really it it muddies the waters in terms of you know what I mean. You can create just enough doubt mm-hmm. in people. And then that's all you need, just that little seed of doubt. And, and I you think can work with that. And obviously, identity politics is is part of this mm-hmm. as well. Um, and the right is really been successful i think at picking up people due to this reliance on identity politics which i don't really like i'm not i'm sort of on board with identity politics but i'm not fully like i don't think that when it's weaponized that's when it's you know to the do i mean the right plays white identity politics but i don't believe like I think we need to do away with the whole idea of race itself. I think it's just, it's bullshit. It's made up. What, you know what I mean? What what is a white person? Like, what the fuck is a white person? Like, all just, like, what is it? It's not an ethnicity. It's not, there's nothing to it. Like, you could be, Mm -hmm. have entirely different genetics and still look white. You know what I mean? Or black or whatever the case may be. Like, Mm -hmm. there's not a category that's going to capture you know what I mean? These are made up things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no way that a term can capture fully the breadth and depth of diversity in the genome across the you know the human race. And thinking of ourselves like that there's some sort of white essence or black essence or Mexican essence mm-hmm. that is out there like exists that we have to that we're all part of. I don't know. I don't, I'm I'm skeptical about that. On the reverse, on the flip side, it is absolutely important. Words do have meaning, even though they are made up, they do have real consequences. So I do think it is important to consider that as well. And mm-hmm. what you call someone and how you define someone does matter. And it does have actual consequences in the world, even though it may just be 
a cultural construct, right? Just like money. I mean, money is a made-up fucking thing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to it, but it obviously has very real consequences for us. Correct. Correct. We haven't talked about Florida. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, The race, it's between, okay, so the Senate race, right, with Gil, Andrew Gillum? And the and the gubernatorial race, apparently. Last time I checked it, we could be going into a recount. I forget. I'm, I haven't been paying t- too much attention, but what's the race with Gillum? I thought he was the senator, but maybe he's... Gillum is the governor. Gillum, okay. Going up against DeSantis. I'm pretty sure that actually the recount is on. Let me double check my notes here. But I'm pretty sure... Let's see, Andrew Gillum here. To me, that's the most, probably the most heartbreaking uh, storyline of these midterms. Um, Because you have have a gentleman who has questionable relations with uh, race identity. And you have another gentleman who's uh, progressive. And it's, they're still, you know, it's going down to the wire. And that's the most, you know, it's kind of, you know, that kind of spoke, that kind of spoke volumes as to where we are in this country uh, with race relations. Right. And, you know, again, it kind of not to not to toot my own horn, but I mean, like that, you know, this is like I said, this is their last stand. The baby movers last stand. I mean, I hope it is, but (laughs) I don't know. I'm less I'm less optimistic, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, classic Florida. Florida going to Florida. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think there is a recount on... Um, I think on the Senate race, yeah. And of course... Rick, Rick Scott, you know, was pounding his chest, uh, accusing unethical liberals of rigging the race. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay. Says the guy who, you know... Uh, what did he do? Built... Uh, Medicare system, I think. In Florida. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. just uh, hearing, I was listening to something yesterday where they were brought that up. I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, classic Florida. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy that people like this are considered legitimate in this country. Mm-hmm. And vote, and people vote for, you know, people like that who are caught red-handed. I wonder, you know... In my opinion, though, I think this is the, something that has always been present in our society, and it's just been, now we're aware of it with social media and the 24-hour news cycle. You know what I mean? Now everyone has their ability to get their little opinion out there, mm-hmm. and I think it's really unmasking that, you know, this mm-hmm. society we've created mm-hmm. is, I think, and you know, a lot of people make the argument that it's structurally racist itself as a white supremacist society, and... You know, I'm on. I'm pretty much on board with that viewpoint. I would say, ultimately, uh, I would think social media has definitely enabled so many people and has uh, placed a much bigger microscope on our elected officials and people in power. And I think this new wave, quote unquote, coming in is going to be savvy to that. So that would be something you know to be mindful of. You, know, you have millennials getting into politics, and they know how to work Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and they know how to manipulate it. Better than folks right now. Certainly better. Certainly better than the GOP, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I wanted to. Uh, what really something that really stood out to me a few days ahead of the election was Cruz had tweeted out something about. Oh, it was he was accusing or basically implicate implying that 
Beto's campaign had donated money to the immigrant caravan. Uh huh. And I was just like, holy shit. It really pissed me off. I broke one of my cardinal rules, which is never post political content on Facebook. Mm hmm. <laughs> But I was just too pissed, man. I, I was like, I, I needed I needed some type of like release, yeah. Uh release and I needed to feel like there were other people out there that weren't this that aren't this fucking crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's it's when you start spouting off conspiracy theory bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just from our friend Ted Cruz, who was supposed to be like, oh, he's a he's a principled politician, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he's even swept up in this bullshit. Completely. You know Completely. what I mean? Completely. I mean, politics aside, if someone were to insult my family and my wife, that game over, you know? Right. But he's still in the bag for Trump, and it's like... As is the entire GOP. See, my theory is that... Or I, I, mean, I don't even know the theory. This is a pretty fucking strong theory that the GOP fucking loves Trump. Trump is like a condom that can put on, and he'll just take... He takes... He absorbs all the... The, you know, here comes gyneria. Boom. Here comes uh, they can syphilis. Be as, they can be as Boom. despicable as they want and just pass it off to Trump. Exactly. He absorbs all of all of the criticism, mm-hmm. and they look good by comparison. I mean, even someone like Jeff Flake, who has criticized Trump, you know, his voting record is pretty much 85% aligned with Trump. Correct. Correct. Uh, you know, Ben Sass as well as another mm-hmm. person who's like, oh, gosh, civility guys and all this. Well, you fucking vote. I mean... <laughs> His agenda is your agenda, dude, and not a, you know, Flake and who else? There's been a handful of GOP guys that have even said anything publicly. Most of the time, they're just acquiescing to whatever sick fucking rhetoric. Like, there are no statesmen that are going to stand up and call a spade a spade, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Even on the Democratic side, like, yeah, there's some, you know, you got a, a few people, but Chuck Schumer, what's he doing? People, for, I mean, people forget that Schumer and Trump were, you know, they were buddy buddies back in the day. You know, they're they're almost one and the same. Yeah. So, I personally, I going back to conspiracy theories. You know, it, <laughs> it's unfortunate that they that they have to be somewhat be taken legitimately because apparently that carries weight now in today's politics. But on a side note, I I love it when people you know think that I'm funded by George Soros. It's like if you if you guys saw my 2006 Ford pickup truck, <laughs> <laughs> you would know I was not funded by George Soros, right? Shit, <laughs> I'm I fucking lose I lose a lot of money. Well, not a lot of money, but I definitely lose money on this podcast. I'm not getting funded by fucking George Soros. <laughs> You're not? No. I, <laughs> shit, I wish I was getting that that money. At least something. Shit. At least something to pay these fucking hosting fees or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's the thing too. It's like on the left. You don't have the institutions that the the financial support like you do on the right with the Koch brothers and the Mercers that, I mean, the Kochs are supporting these sorts of movements worldwide. Mm -hmm. You see Steve Bannon advising Bolsonaro in Brazil. Mm -hmm. He's meeting. AT&T was, you know, they they funded, what's his name? Steve, uh, Steve King. Oh, God. Steve fucking King. Who won? Exactly. Who, Who won? won? But right before it seems like, nah, never mind. We're gonna stop our contributions. Well, why were you contributing to him in the first place? So yeah, you have corporations that are also in the bag. Of course. Yeah. Whatever you know, 
I mean, I, to me, the it's obvious that the capitalism, the capital, those in power have fully purchased, you know what I mean, the government. The government, the state now serves capital, which is always the danger of of a capitalist democracy. A neo-oligarchy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because whenever, you know what I mean, this idea that the market can solve all of our problems just magically is is sort of a fantasy you know what i mean you always hear that Ah, that's that's the libertarian fantasy right there you always hear that you know the common criticism is on the left is like you know real communism hasn't been tried well now it's it's the reverse like real real capitalism has never been done you know what i mean (laughs) like jesus christ and they take no responsibility for the social conditions that capitalism itself has created it creates the very problems that they profess that it actually solves Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you want to here's a concrete example of how markets fail us look at the tobacco industry Mm -hmm. we have a deadly product that has zero benefit to you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's zero benefit you don't get i mean i guess you get a nicotine buzz rush maybe like eh that's that's about as good as it gets. I wouldn't even call that a benefit, to be honest. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, makes your you, it makes you smell. It makes your stains your teeth. It gets oh, in your hair. It gets it in fucking everything. kills you. It fucking kills you. Yeah. And yet we had you know obviously not anymore, but that shit was advertised, appealing to kids with the Joe Camel kind of stuff. But even before that, you, back in the day, you had doctors that were saying cigarette smoking was healthy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell me that markets work and function as rational things? No, of course not. You're not accounting for the power that advertising and messaging have on people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Market People don't act rationally in all cases. We're not these little, you know, perfectly rational creatures with access to all information. Mm-hmm. What's that old saying? A person is smart or people are stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, I now wonder why, like, why the fuck doesn't anybody ever come out and just point out something like that? You know, if you want to talk about markets, cigarettes are a prime example of why markets don't fucking work. Markets are good at figuring out how to create something cheap mm-hmm. or efficiently, mm-hmm. but that's it. Markets aren't going to tell you what the fuck you should want. You know what I mean? That's all they're good for. So building an entire society based on the profit motive and markets that are naturally going to coalesce all of this power and wealth into small hands, you can't ever have equity of opportunity. You know, a lot of people bitch about, oh, you guys want uh, equity of outcome, which no fucking leftist ever says. But you cannot have, you can't even have equity of opportunity in a market system because it naturally is going to distribute resources unevenly. That's what markets do. Mm-hmm. It's something, what the Pareto principle that right-wingers are always talking about. So basically 20, 20% of the people holding 80% of the wealth. Or, you know what I mean? That's kind of a rough distillation of how things work. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, apply it to anything. Apply it to podcasts. 20% of podcasts are going to get 80% of the listeners. You know what I mean? That's sort of a gives you an idea of what the Pareto principle is. So whenever you have resource inequity like that, how are you ever going to have some type of equity of opportunity? And if you let markets run their course, then it just increases that 
that disparity. Yes. I w- <laughs> In short, yes, I would agree. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, so all in all, I mean, are you optimistic or? No, I'm, I mean, really, I think we live in hell world and there is no hope, but I'm still going to try. I'm That's still, all we can do. Uh, and I'm still going to be out here, you know, shouting into the void as much as I can to the people who are willing to listen and, and really think about things from, you know, really break down, try to break through their ideology and understand things as they, how power operates in our society. I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't make you not be a bootlicker. If you love authority, <laughs> if you love being told what to do, if you love going to a work and having going to work and having no freedom or say so in where you spend 40 hours minimum of your life, then, you know, I just can't, what I, if I can't convince you of that, then, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. The question for me, and I, I know we talked about this last time you came on in reference to Charlottesville is, at what at what point or what role does violence play in truly resisting fascism or reaction the forces of reaction that's kind of the question that i'm constantly you know tearing over or going over in my own mind because i am so i am extremely angry i'm i'm so pissed off i'm so disgusted it feels hopeless on a day-to-day base like basis you want to you want to lash out you want to like <laughs> you just want to scream at the top of your lungs at the way that things are going mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to be doing like no one seems to be catching on and it's it's just the i don't know it's really depressing like how, like how do you not see this like how are you not reacting to this right i mean i grew up in i grew <clears throat> up in fucking rural texas mm-hmm. <laughs> uh you know southern baptist on a ranch, mm-hmm. I've worked in agriculture. I mm-hmm. did cowboy work, you know, growing up my whole life. I've worked in factories. I think it's bullshit, man. It, to me, it's obvious. To me, it is extremely obvious that it's exploiting the poor and vulnerable for the sake of you know earning a buck. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forgive me for being you know. <clears throat> Go ahead. Th- throw some cold water on me. <laughs> I'm Do it. I'm Bring ca- it. I'm cautiously optimistic, um, especially with this new wave of uh, young blood. Your Ocasio Orteses, your your Muslim Americans, your Native Americans who are now elected to Congress. Um, I think the tide is turning, ever so slowly, but definitely turning. Uh, going back to Tarrant County, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, interesting days are coming. I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say better days. Because once you throw money into the mix, that's, you know, a person's true character is revealed. Um, but I do think more interesting days are coming. And I think that this is, you know, Trump represents the uh, the last stand of uh, of World War II vets and the baby boomers and all that. So I think once Trump is out of office, then, you know, that's when I think a new a new age will <clears throat> will start. When that day will come, who knows? Could be next week, could be another six years. But uh, I would not be surprised if, uh, if Donald Trump wins a re-election bid. Oh, yeah. If I had to bet money on it right now, I would absolutely... I'm 75% confident that Trump will win in, in 2020. The, yeah. The only thing that could <clears throat> stop it is 
perhaps if he attempts to go to escalate some type of war, like an Iraq invasion of Iraq level, that might stir people up enough. Or a finan- another financial collapse. If financial, co- but then again, if a financial collapse happens, then I think we're in a totally new paradigm, and I am. I think you'll see real, real violence. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's anything approaching two thousand eight, it's going to be scary. There's going to be, there's going to be people out in the streets. Mm-hmm. The, it'll be like the purge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. If, if we get to that point, um. Oh man! Oh, Lordy. that's the scariest thing to me is, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I, I'm not hopeful that there's enough. I don't know. There's something weird about the psychology of people again with this sort of, like, the more irrational and cr- crazy things get, the more people like want to. The more appeal some kind of wrong, like some right wing strongman has. It's there's mm-hmm. some kind of weird like irrationality that is built into where that fervor just like people just, I think go crazier and crazier and crazier into that, into that realm. But, but here's the thing, anything the right can do, the left can certainly do as well. And there've been flashes, especially on social media where um, some Democrats and leftists have said, you know, in order to defeat Donald Trump at his own game, you need to have somebody just as despicable, if not as worse, worse than him to run against him. And, I'm seeing more more sentiment toward that idea. And that's just no good because two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. I don't think we need a demagogue on the left like Trump. And I don't even think it's possible for someone like that to be like what even corollary like who is the even who the left doesn't even have somebody that like Trump at all. Right. The left doesn't have a show pony like Trump. They They don't have a. They don't have a strong candidate right now. They definitely don't have someone who is just, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like compare Bernie and Trump. Like even if you want to make that comparison based on the sort of populist rhetoric, it's night and day different still. Like it's, Mm -hmm. there's not some type of demagoguery Mm -hmm. spouting guy on the left. I think it is important though to fight fire with fire to a degree. I don't think, you know, I, like I said, I don't have a lot of confidence in Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer to kind of lead that charge. And but we need to, somebody on the left needs to be speaking up and calling these motherfuckers out on their shit. Like, fuck this, dude. It's gloves off. This is a fucking street fight. Mm-hmm. This isn't like 17th century warfare where we have a band playing and we fucking march in lines and like shoot each other and call it a day. No, this is what they want. This is fucking guerrilla warfare Mm -hmm. in the streets, asymmetrical. If you're not ready to get out there and and get your hands a little bit dirty, then get the fuck out of the game. The shit, the stakes are high. Yeah. Get ready. If we don't really put up a real, like a a blue, we need to put up a blue wall ourselves against this fucking shit. Blue, whatever. Blue, red, fuck, we'll reappropriate red because red is communism, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Do you think uh, we're staring down the barrel of a civil war? Ooh. I don't know that it'll be a civil war exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely see a lot of civil unrest. The problem with that you have in terms of the civil war is it doesn't break down geographically quite the way that it did. You don't have a distinct agrarian south versus an industrialized north. Right. 
we have now, the difference is the urban centers and the rural communities. And those are within the states themselves. So if anything, we're going to have chaos and martial law and that kind of shit. And obviously the police forces are ready to crack down on people. Mm -hmm. And that, again, is where this question of what role does violence play on the left? You know, the, the Antifa movement, the black bloc, things like that. Like, are they enabling? Are they, does that really truly aid the right? Or is that just something that is simply just absolutely necessary to protect people? You know what I mean? That's the kind of the, the scale that I have of, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. sort of this nonviolence, but at the same time, like how much of that is capitalist ideology mm-hmm. and how much of that is, is true? Like, how do you figure out when to stand up and punch somebody in the face and when not to? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Cause you have Martin Luther King who preached, you know, nonviolent resistance, you know, and you could argue that that wasn't really effective, but you can also argue that it, you know, worked miracles. Yeah. But I mean, if someone's hosing me down and has a German shepherd barking at my face, I don't know if I'm going to go quietly into that good night. You know? I don't know. Interesting times lay ahead, <laughs> to say the least. And then again, you see, um, so I was listening to a gentleman from Sweden on a podcast the other day as well. And he was just talking about how, so I think, I believe he was in 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 an immigrant community there in Sweden. And Mm -hmm. basically Antifa there would be walking people home and like patrolling the streets, making sure that the fucking right wing mobs didn't beat up and attack all of these immigrants. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's like, that is to some degree, like we need that sort of thing. You know what I mean? I think Antifa serves a purpose, definitely, whenever you can't really trust law enforcement um, because they might just fucking shoot you <laughs> for no reason. So, I don't know. It's it's a question that I'm wrestling with. I think there is some good that has come out of it. Uh, I would say even more than some, because it, I think it does put a check on you know, authoritarian maneuvers. Um, My fear is that they use that rhetoric and then to amp up the police state even further than it already is. Mm -hmm. God, I don't want to say you're right, but I think you're right. (laughs) Because I I can totally see that where our police departments, all of them become militarized and weaponized and, you know, really start uh, oppressing, you know, the masses. Hope not, but I can totally see it happening. And I think you see, you know, a lot of people coming out because, um, for example, Tucker Carlson was is being harassed at his house. <laughs> and fucking even Colbert on Twitter is like, oh, we don't need basically saying, oh, we don't need to bother Tucker Carlson. This is not blah, blah, blah. Well, fuck that guy, dude. Fuck that guy. If you're going to if you because I earnestly believe that Tucker Carlson doesn't believe what he says. He it's all fucking if you are willing to knowingly spout propaganda, then you deserve whatever the fuck happens to you. If you knowingly are spouting bullshit, I have no sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. Zero. And I know that fucking guy doesn't believe any I mean that guy is like a fucking little like 
ah, just drives me fucking nuts. You think all of them at Fox News? Oh, I mean, Fox News is, for the most part, what, who is the guy? There's uh, Hannity. Oh, God. <laughs> Hannity is the absolute worst. Uh, understatement of the year. Understatement of the year. And that guy's terrible. But what's, there's a guy, Shep's, Shepard Smith is like the only redeeming character mm-hmm. in the entirety of Fox News. Yes. They're just spouting the most crazy reactionary bullshit now. Like they've even gotten, I think, even more unhinged with Trump. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they know that it sells. Like that's what people, Fear sells, the people yeah. that are on the faux news kick are mm-hmm. just going to eat that shit up. And what I think is funny too, and I actually wanted to bring this up earlier, but I forgot, got sidetracked. No worries. Is what I find is funny and amusing and somewhat infuriating is that Trump tries to paint CNN as leftist or like to the left. Mm-hmm. CNN is a fucking corporate. Like what? This is like center of the road. CNN is center of the road, man. It's not some kind of leftist stronghold. Even MSNBC is pretty much centrist. And that's as left as it gets in mm-hmm. in real in cable <coughs> news, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or in our, mostly in our discourse. Or so we're told. Um, at least that's who's, you know what I mean? You don't mm-hmm. have any real, who's who's on the, like the real left? Who's on like the DSA left out there in, that has an audience nationwide that's known like a, a Rachel Maddow? That's probably Rachel. That's probably it. And she's pretty, she's pretty milk toast too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so whenever they try to sell, and the if you look back to, remember how hard they tried to sell Obama as a socialist? Do you remember that? Because I sure as hell fucking remember exactly how hard they tried to sell it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And what did Obama do when he got into office? Oh he, my. The he thing- didn't do shit. He carried on the drone strikes, amped it up, all that. Oh my God. His nickname amongst the immigrant uh, community was the deporter in chief. He was, yeah. It, it, the deportation numbers surged under Obama. Exactly. You know, but. And before him, Clinton, Clinton with NAFTA. Clinton with the 1996 Telecommunications Act, Mm -hmm. destroying welfare as we know it. And yet, oh, at the time, oh, Clinton is like, oh, he's a socialist, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. the right has very suavely, I don't know how the fuck they've done it, created this Overton window shift so far to the fucking right. Mm -hmm. There's even a chart that I found. I tweeted this the other day that shows kind of... um, put this in the show notes, but it shows how the right has started to drift even further and further right with the Democrats are pulling back a little bit more toward the left, but overall sort of the mean, the median position is stayed pretty, pretty steady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Interesting times lay ahead. Right. But um, that Chinese it, curse, man, it's just remarkable how, you know, Fox News has been able just to, frankly, weaponize uh, talking points of the right and really triggered so many people. I mean, you can't, it's hard to talk to people who, who are Trump supporters because they're so, frankly, they're a bit unhinged, you know, they're almost uh, irrational. But. Yeah, it's like, I I honestly don't know how to approach you if you, if you are a if you're fully on board with Trump 
I just, I, I can't countenance you. I, I don't know. We live in two different, we have two radically different views of what America is mm-hmm. or should be or mm-hmm. what, you know, to just, just period. Because even if you agree with, or, you know what I mean? You, it's one thing to be conservative. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to embrace this fucking propaganda that this guy spouts out. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. It is absolutely dangerous He's clearly legitimizing these people and making them feel emboldened. Yes. Yes. And that strikes me as more dangerous than any caravan of migrants that are coming. Oh, absolutely. It's like he kicked over a rock and all the fucking worms are scurrying out now. (laughs) That's an excellent way of putting it. And he's courting it absolutely without without a doubt. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly what he's fucking doing. Oh, yeah. He's, He's a media master. He totally knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, even when we when he you know makes mistakes and it comes across as a dunce, I don't think so. I I think all of his moves are calculated. I think his instincts are just so like he. Are <laughs> you just this metaphor? <laughs> to me, Trump is kind of like venom. He is has like this symbiote, which is capitalism that (laughs) inhabits him Uh and it's some type of like that's that's what he is like capitalism is the symbiote that has taken over trump is like the purest distillation of what conservative libertarian reaction is Mm -hmm. himself he is the culmination of decades and decades of the move of of the failure of the left to create any kind of really pressure against against this sort of neoliberal consensus. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, I it's not like it's not like that. Trump is special. Like it's not he's not he is now it's just it's out there in the open. I I call Trump also <laughs> another image for you is to me Trump is capitalism with its dick out. <laughs> Like that's totally unmasked. There are no, there's no illusions. There's no pomp and circumstance. It's just this is naked capitalism. Mm-hmm. This is naked power. You know, mm-hmm. disregard for the well-being of others for the sake of making money. Yeah, totally. And me, 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 and trying to trying to describe human society or American society as just a bunch of individuals that have no connections with one another, one another whatsoever. You know what I mean? If you th- mm. if you really start to think about it critically, you see that what we do every day is we produce things for other people, and other people produce things for us. Mm-hmm. That is a social process. There is nobody out there creating something all by themselves without any sort of either cultural influence or simply like help from another person. I mean, what's th- what good of is producing something if you don't have? someone to use that thing right mm-hmm. so i think we need to shift our shift our mindset away from this oh like this rugged individualist idea and recognize that we all need each other you know what i mean this yeah. if if the fucking janitor doesn't clean the toilets it's a problem if the plumber doesn't if the plumbing's not going you know what i mean mm-hmm. so we all create this thing we're all in this endeavor together i think there needs to be a, recogni- a recognition of that. I think it'll take some kind of catastrophe for that to oh, happen. I, I totally agree. I, I think mean, that climate change 
totally will be the next revolution. The revolu- there will be no revolution. The next revolution will be climate change. Mother Earth is going to be the vanguard party that will absolutely force people to change because otherwise they're simply not, they're not going to willingly cede their comfort because it's going to take work. Mm-hmm. And capitalism, the way that it functions here, allows people to not not have to work. It's going to take a Category 6 or Category 7 hurricane, Miami going underwater, for them to finally snap out of it. Because we're all on one planet. We're not. There's no resources coming in from another planet. Here. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have all your hopes on uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> um. He's slick, but I mean, he's he's a capitalist too, man. I mean, definitely anti-union. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but um, I'm hoping with these midterms that sh- signals a a change is upon nigh. We I shall mean, see. It's, it's one a- could argue that we've been here before, though. I mean, if you look at LBJ's uh, presidency, going all the way back to FDR, there was unrest back then too. I don't know if it was as vitriolic as it is today. It's kind of, would you say it's kind of history repeating itself in a way? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think what's the, the Marx quote about history repeating itself. First time is tragedy. The second time is farce. I think we are fully in the farcical repetition (laughs) of history. And if you think about it, Trump is in many ways, sort of the farcical, version of Ronald Reagan. Although maybe Reagan himself was a farce of something, you know what I mean? But if you think about it, he was the first actor, you know um, what I mean, to be president. First celebrity president. First celebrity president. Yeah, but at least at least Reagan read a book. <laughs> I don't know, man. He was outstanding for he record he cut an album against socialized medicine. Dude, it's fucking God, insane. God, I remember he seen that. That's right. Like it was like a, a, a spoke. A spoken yeah, spoken album. word. Oh, if we give the government the power, socialized <laughs> medicine, we're gonna. It'll end up. I in, had forgotten about that. It's gonna end up in gulags. And it's like, are you fuck? Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> Not to mention, also, do you remember the Iran Contra affair? Oh my goodness! Yeah, where he's like, I, <laughs> the government, do, we do not. You know, negotiate with terrorists, and then he's like, "Indeed, we did." Nigga, blah blah blah. Cut deals, sold weapons. Even though my heart tells me that I, it was in the right place, the facts and blah 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 tell me that I was wrong. Like, oh, are you fucking kidding? Selling me? weapons to Iran so you can fund your operations in Central and South. Well, America. no, they were selling. Wait, how did it go? They were selling weapons to the Contras. To that's right. I got them mixed up. Yeah, I think it was the reverse. They were selling weapons to the Contras mm-hmm. to the CIA was mm-hmm. to raise money for the the uh, what do you call it the ransoms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm I, w- I could get real nihilistic if you want to to me to lay down some some cold cuts, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, what? Why not? I mean, I think we've already tapped into this a little bit with the idea that unless there's an external force that creates revolution, it is not going to happen within capitalism being simply too adaptable and able to, capable of 
really diffusing it has pressure release valves within it you know what i mean it has things like sporting events or even let's say a che guevara t-shirt right so it's like you feel rebellious through your purchase but your purchase only reinstitute reinstitutes this supports the system itself it's so capable and slick at being a positive force too as a creative force and not just this like top-down oppressive force that is blatantly obvious right it's very subtle at how it does these things and really masking the relations between individuals through money you know what i mean i think it'd be a far different story if let's say we had a foxconn plant here in the u.s that had to have suicide nets put up right but because that's out of sight out of mind then that frees up the u.s consumer to not feel or see their social relations to those people in China mm-hmm. or wherever the case may be, whatever cheap labor we are exploiting for profit. That is the nature of capitalism too. Capital, um, Vladimir Lenin said that imperialism is the highest form of capitalism. And I think definitely, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Leninist, but his analysis of, of capital, especially imperial capitalism is spot on look at something like the middle east it's Mm -hmm. a pure like through that lens to me that's the only way you could possibly understand our actions in the middle east since you know the clash of the ottoman empire you know i mean they have the resources the suez canal like there's a global economic and um reason why we have such an influence and we created the state of israel so that we have a nice client state in the Middle East. Oh, well, now let's invade Iraq. We have another sort of client state that we can control and exert our influence to as a bulwark, too, against against the Chinese as well. Cold cuts, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there is a theorist, uh, Jean Baudrillard, who okay. I think in his probably his most popular work was Simulation and Simulacra. His concept, and I think, God, I mean, he fucking predicted Trump essentially so well, is that we are so, all we, there isn't, our access to reality is completely gone. All we consume are, are images now. And there is no connection. Now this, and they're self-referential now to the point that they don't even reference any sort of reality whatsoever it's all just a sea of images that we live in so a simulation not in the sense of like the matrix which actually tried to co-opt baudrillard's ideas but in the sense of we're only encountering we're not we're not dealing with the world itself we're dealing with simulations of the world through images through Mm -hmm. advertising and television and podcasts and twitter and facebook etc etc consuming signs and trying to, I don't know, there's some weird desire for meaning in us. The search for the objet petit, the desire that can never that can never be fulfilled. Such a developed world problem. Yeah. That's so yeah. Because you never yeah. But if you if you think about it, Trump himself is a he's a he has a, the image of a billionaire. The image, you know what I mean? He had the 
what is reality TV? Mm-hmm. Reality TV is a staged version of fake reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what? It's just it's fake reality. It's a staged reality. You know it's what I mean? Manipulated. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And then you have. I mean, even if you let's back up to we could we could analyze the presidency itself as sort of a the biggest reality show that there is there is the image of the president and then there's what the president does mm-hmm. and then you take that further with someone like Trump who is it's all about the image yeah he is pure simulacra <laughs> he is pure simulation and the the whole president shows it kind of really does show how fake the actual presidency itself is and how detached and just it's a symbol it's an image that's it there is no there is nothing to it what was this dude's name again jean baudrillard i'm gonna read up on that that sounds yeah it's quite fascinating and i mean to me he really nails where and he did this in the 80s and just had a such a beautiful understanding well not beautiful it's a tragic, I think, understanding ultimately of where we're he foresaw hit, where we're oh, he totally foresaw everything, and um some other elements of his theories are like something like Disney World, for example, exists to make the rest of the world seem real, okay, almost the way okay, look, we could also think um this sort of similar thought strain was applied towards. Um, like an insane asylum. The function of the insane asylum was to make everything outside of the insane asylum seem rational. That's the function that it serves. (laughs) Dun-dun. Kind of blowing my mind. (laughs) Now now I got to read up on this cat. That sounds interesting. it's, It's super interesting. So he also said that the Gulf War didn't happen, the 1991 Gulf War. Uh Uh-huh. Not and he didn't mean that literally that the Gulf the conflict didn't happen. What he meant was that we only experienced it through images. So it's sort of a rhetorical idea. Now I got to read up on this cat. Now, now I'm hooked. It's good <laughs> stuff, man. It's he's definitely a, a pessimist, and I mean, ultimately, when you when you come down to it, so am I. But I'm like I said, I'm still going to be here doing my podcast, talking to people, doing my best to try to get involved and, and organize and build some sort of community. At least you're doing something, man, because there's still far too many people who are just complacent with the way things are, who just won't engage, who won't get involved. So kudos to you for at least doing something. Well, hey, man, you're you're a photojournalist. You're doing, some, you're doing something too, I would say. Doing what I can in my own way, I, I suppose. Taking a brief pause because i got to plan a wedding. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, kudos to you for actually giving a shit. Any, um, any questions or final thoughts that you have? I'm kind of, I'm sort of done ranting <laughs> at this point. Mm. For you or for our, for our wonderful audience? Whatever, whichever, man. Keep fighting. I mean, keep fighting the good fight. You know, we're all in this shit together. Um, there's no point in trying to, you know, step on someone else to try and get ahead uh, doing that just does no good for everyone. So everyone keep fighting the good fight. 
you know, even if it's in your own small, minute way, you know, even if it's a campaign contribution, that, you know, just keep fighting the good fight. You know, at minimum, uh, so much as I hate to give him credit, the thing with Donald Trump, look at how many people are involved and are engaged now. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give him credit for that, and that's pretty much about it. It's kind of an accelerationist wet dream in that sense. In a way, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, far before far too many people were complacent. And now that the mask has completely been ripped off, yeah, I think people are waking up to a degree, but is it too late? You know what I mean? That's that's the real question. Especially in the con I mean, when it comes to climate change particularly. I mean, that's gonna take coordinated global effort to reduce carbon emissions and i don't think that the political will exists at this point it does not exist again uh, going back to what we said earlier it's going to be some co- some sort of catalyst that will trigger that sort of thing and oh lordy look out for one another man that's look out for you we're going to need each other seriously absolutely um if you have means to give give you know um you know, if you want to give through a charitable organization, that's cool. I personally like the direct approach. If I see someone, you know, yeah, no, I agree. You know, direct action of any kind, whether it be giving or mm-hmm. going to Tucker Carlson's house and telling him he's a fucking dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're right. I mean, how can you willingly say that on national TV and not expect repercussions? Yeah, I mean, especially the crazy. Like it. It's one thing if you're giving conservative ideas, but when you're just spouting a reactionary racist shit like Mm -hmm. no fuck you you don't deserve to be treated with any kind of (laughs) respect seriously um i'm i'm finding it real hard to gain sympathy for tucker carlson but yeah no (laughs) (laughs) uh no keep fighting the good fight um you know keep podcasting do what you do man right you know thank thankfully you're engaged you know you've always been one who's been far more enlightened than others and you know, I tip my hat to you, sir, for that. Well, thank you. And uh, and you're also, I mean, you age like fine wine. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! Well, what is it? I mean, dude, it is all the Doritos that I ate <laughs> as a kid. All the junk food, all those preservatives, all that sodium benzoate has. Uh, you're like a goddamn porcelain doll, man. It's kept me youthful. <laughs> no, man, keep up the good fight, man. Love what, love what you're doing. Love you. Happy to know you, man. Likewise. Well, thanks again for uh, joining me today, Gary. But, oh, uh, anytime. Cooper. Anytime. Podcast with Cooper Cherry and Gary Cooper. Oh! Is, <laughs> is signing off today. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>